All right, Duck fans, it is time to start our positional previews heading into the spring game this Saturday, 1 p.m. local time at Autzen Stadium. If you are there, admission is free. And we are looking at the quarterbacks first. Of course, we're looking at the quarterbacks first. Everyone you might see this Saturday with the special red jersey so that they don't get hit. Plus, a few more thoughts on Kyler Casper and a couple of names to watch for Dana Altman's squad that are in the transfer portal. Maybe they'll be after him. Maybe they won't. We'll get to that today on Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. That is when we are bringing you content. Like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching the show. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, nice comments on YouTube or Apple Podcasts. Well, always love seeing that. So I told you on yesterday. Yesterday's show, if you listen, that we would be doing position group breakdowns going into the spring spring game because I want you all to have an idea of you know who to look for, right? Who's who, and if there are number changes out there, I will get to those as well. In each group, we'll be you know making sure that we're all up to date, knowing who to look for and who is actually who because it can be tough to tell sometimes, right? So, for example. Chris Hudson is going to be wearing number one, not number 14. That's one of those things that that you want to look for. But we aren't doing wide receivers today. We're doing quarterbacks today. Because if you're going to do a position first, of course you're going to do the quarterbacks, especially for a school in Oregon that has not yet declared an official starting quarterback. Now, we we have inclinations. We think it's going to be Bo Nix, and it probably will be. He's kind of too high profile of a transfer to bring in to then not make the start. But let's just get into the guys who we're going to see. And just because we haven't heard from Dan Lanning, whether or not there's official starter hasn't been named. It has not been. Nothing has been official for all you Ty Thompson fans out there. Anything could happen. We're just going to go in numerical order, right? So that way you don't, you know, if I were to talk about Bonex or Ty Thompson first, maybe you think, oh, well, maybe he's got some insight. Maybe he heard something. Maybe No, 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 no. We're just going to go numerical order, keep it nice and simple. So first, number nine, Jay Butterfield. We know Jay Butterfield saw him in the spring game last year. Looked pretty good in the spring game, but has not seen any actual game action for the Ducks because he's behind Ty Thompson on the depth chart, or at least he was last year. That's sort of the expectation. But last year in Autzen, he was six of nine. Sorry, I had something caught in my throat. Six of nine, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Now, as a quarterback, he's not super mobile, right? I wouldn't declare or I wouldn't describe him as an immobile guy, but it's also not, you know, the first trait you think of. When I think of Bo Nix, his ability to move is sort of the first thing that I go to, which make of that whatever you will for Oregon's potential next starting quarterback. But he's got a lot of accuracy. Jay Butterfield does. He showed that last year in the spring game. And that's also what you hear from reports out of Oregon spring practice is that, you know, when he gets in there and starts making throws, he can put it on the spot that it needs to be time. And again, so I I actually, unfortunately think there's a good chance he transfers before the 2022 football season. I'm not saying that that's a guarantee. I don't have any insight there. I don't have anything with respect to, a piece of news or evidence. It's just an inclination. That's all it is. 
because you've got Bo Nix there who could be at Oregon for two years if he wants to. You've got Ty Thompson and you've got Jay Butterfield. I think Jay is a talented enough guy to where if he looks at the depth chart and sees, you know, whenever that comes out that he's number three again, that might be a time where he decides it's in his best interest to leave the program, which, you know, it probably would be because he could probably start at a couple spots. But so that's the first guy you might see. Then the guy that we're all kind of waiting to see. Well, some of us are all waiting to see to, you know, find out what he's capable of in an Oregon uniform and in this Kenny Dillingham offense. That, of course, number 10, Bo Nix, who is a junior, but in his fourth year of college football. I, I, I just would have a hard time believing he doesn't have an inside track on the starting job. But the way everything played out and how he left Auburn. You can go back and listen to my conversation with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn to hear about all of that stuff. It was a couple episodes ago. I think it was last Friday, maybe. This is Tuesday's episode. Something of the sorts. Anyway, that's why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to and or watching the show's bottom line. So I think that Bo Nix has an opportunity here to come out and claim the starting job, not just in the eyes of the coaches, but maybe in the eyes of some Oregon fans as well, because what we've seen so far from Ty Thompson has not been a lot. What we have seen from Jay Butterfield has been even less. But Bo Nix has a body of work, and he's won college football games in the toughest conference in America. That gives him a certain level of pedigree and definitely gives him an advantage, certainly in the eyes of the coaching staff. And, you know, maybe some fans see that as an edge. Maybe some fans see it as, no, we don't want that. We want our own guy, you know, and that whole discussion that I've been talking about extensively here on the show. But if he comes out and looks like QB one or he's, you know, separating himself from Ty Thompson, like if Lanning has said that this is going to look much more like a regular game rather than what it was last year with Cristobal, where it was, you know, rotate quarterbacks in and out and the defense is always on the field. I believe they're going to split the guys up. This is what I've read from Lanning's comments. They're planning to split the teams up and, you know, have some starters over here, some over here and, you know, we'll see how that all shapes out and whatnot, but we should have a chance to see each quarterback respectively with, you know, a similar group of guys and how they can handle the offense. If that comes out, unless Bo and Ty are on opposite sides of the field, which is also possible, but I think you're going to have a mix of starters bottom line. So if Bo Nix comes out and he is the clear cut better quarterback or he looks more game ready he's going to be the starting quarterback and he probably maybe he would anyway but if he comes out in the spring game in front of all the fans at Otson and again pack the house down there duck fans all of you know up in the state of Oregon make sure you do that I think that you know our, our fate as fans in terms of who our signal caller will be in 2022 will basically be sealed if he comes out and you know, really starts to to look the part. Another thing to look for is how many passes each quarterback throws, because last year we didn't really know who the starter was going to be. We thought it might be Anthony Brown, but Shuck left the program. And then you had Butterfield and uh, Thompson and Ashford in that in that room as well. But in the spring game, Anthony Brown threw 29 passes. Nobody else threw more than 10. So if Nick starts to look like the best quarterback option available and he's throwing the most passes, then I think we will know without officially knowing that he's a starting quarterback. So that's something that that we can be looking for. So I, I'm excited to see a regular game, right? Just like a, mo a more regular game. I'm not a huge fan of the gimmick. Like just split the teams up, put some starters and reserves over here, some starters and reserves over there, play a game. You know, hopefully nobody gets injured, all that sort of stuff and the rules and such. And, you know, I, I just, I want to see a regular game. I think that gives you a better idea. It gives us a better idea and the coaches as well as to, 
you know, what, where guys actually are, because it's weird if the defense is playing all the time or uh, the offense is, you know, not having a lot of consistency, like just, you know, quarterbacks will change in and out and guys will move, but just keep, just have two separate teams, green team, yellow team, line it up, go not offense, defense, green team, yellow team. Uh, I think those are the colors that they will end up using. I'll tell you about the other two quarterbacks you might see on Saturday, probably will, after I tell you about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including basketball playoffs and Major League Baseball. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. The other two quarterbacks, Ty Thompson, we'll get to in a moment. Again, we're going in numerical order here, just like I said at the top of the show. The other quarterback on the roster, who we might very well see, number 12, A.J. Abbott, who is also a redshirt freshman. Butterfield is a redshirt freshman, so is Ty Thompson. He's from the Houston, Texas area, and here's a fun tidbit about a guy whose name you might be hearing for the very first time as I bring him up here on the show. He went to Stratford High School in the Houston area, and I'm not saying this stat to imply that he might go shooting up the depth chart. I'm just giving you an idea of who you're going to see on Saturday. A.J. Abbott broke Andrew Luck's touchdown record at Stratford High School. Not bad. Not That's all I'll say. That's not bad. The last guy, of course, who we expect to see, I, I presume we will get to see all four signal callers. I believe five different guys took snaps behind center last year for the Ducks in the spring game, Anthony Brown. Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, Robbie Ashford, and I'm forgetting somebody else. But there was a fifth quarterback in there, and there's four on the roster right now. I'd expect that it'll all play at some point. Other Some guys probably a lot more than others. Abbott certainly going to play the least, and I would expect Bo Nix. Maybe, maybe he plays the most, or maybe he plays the least because they want to protect him coming off of an injury, and he's you know potentially the starting quarterback. We don't really know. But Ty Thompson, the redshirt freshman from Gilbert, Arizona, the highest-rated quarterback recruit, in Oregon football history, a lot of Duck fans out there are just waiting for the time when he's finally named the starting quarterback. And interesting note, by the way, we talked about Kyler Casper, who I'm going to get to here uh, a little bit more in a moment. Uh, he is also from Gilbert. They're from different high schools, but they're from the same city. I wonder if that played into that uh, decision at all. I have no inclination again or insighted information that it did, but you never know. That stuff doesn't it, it doesn't hurt. So. I think a lot of Duck fans are asking, what would Ty Thompson have to do to be the starter? Which is a very reasonable question to ask. And the answer, based on how things are probably going to go, just this is, you know, a prediction more than an insight. But I would be willing to bet that that I end up being right here. I think if he's going to kind of shock the world and become the starter, first of all, showing showing out in front of the fans at Otson is a good place to start. You know, last year in the spring game, he's five and nine for. 75 yards, no touchdowns. Did have a 30-yard completion, but I, I think he would have to be an otherworldly talent, you know. And I I know that he is a talented guy, but with the way that everything is playing out, in order for him to take the starting job from Bo Nix this year, I think he would have to start playing on a really really high level. And I mean the sort of level that would make us excited as Duck fans. You know, going back to how we were all feeling when Ty Thompson was recruited and came to the University of Oregon. But is that likely? No. Do I still want to see growth from him? Yes, because if he stays committed to the program, he is, in theory, the next guy in line, unless Bo Nix stays for two more years and maybe Ty then decides that he doesn't want to wait that long and wants to go to a different program where he can start right away. 
we don't know because it's hard to know what Bo Nix is going to do after the season. Maybe he'll go to the NFL. Maybe he won't. But Ty Thompson, a guy who is definitely going to see plenty of snaps, and I want to see some growth, and particularly in areas when uh, you know where, where he's struggled from what we've seen so far, which is reading defenses, looking comfortable in the pocket, and making good reads. Those are kind of the areas where I think he's still a little bit limited. I'll be interested to see if his throwing mechanics are cleaned up a little. I always thought his arm was a little bit too much of a windup, but that's more of a you know professional grade than a college one because Darren Thomas had a giant windup and he was a great college quarterback. So that's uh, that's the quarterback room. That's everybody who who is likely to play this Saturday. And again, that's Ty Thompson, number thirteen. Actually, I think he switched back to seventeen or thirteen. Let me look that. Let me look that up real quick uh, because I don't want to. I don't want to misinform you. And I thought I had looked at all that earlier. Okay, yeah, no, he's he's back to number thirteen. He was seventeen last year, and he's switching back to number thirteen. He was thirteen and seventeen. Now back to thirteen. So Ty Thompson thirteen, AJ Abbott twelve, Bonix ten. Jay Butterfield nine. Those are the guys that are on the roster as quarterbacks right now that we should see this Saturday. One guy who, whoever, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that particular phraseology there, but one guy who the Oregon quarterbacks will be throwing to in the future is Kyler Casper, who we talked about on yesterday's show is four-star wide receiver recruit out of the state of Arizona. I had some final takeaways on him coming to the Ducks. And, and first of all, I definitely did not shout out Junior Adams yesterday, and I 100% should have. That's that's my bad. That's my bad. I was not trying to, to shortchange him or anything of the sorts, but he was Kyler Casper's primary recruiter because that's his position coach. So that's a big win for Junior Adams, you know, a guy who I don't think he had a ton of questions when when he was hired from Washington, but I think he a little bit has the reputation of, you know, like, well, you know, Cooper Cup, back in the day that's great but then what well this is his first big win you know last week was adrian clem getting josh Connerly. this week the credit here is going to junior adams the staff as a whole 100 percent. i mean it's it's a team effort but those position coaches are really really important and another thing about this this recruitment that's good for oregon is that they're recruiting out of the state of arizona i've talked about how it's important for them to dominate the pacific northwest region and how they need to you know, if they're going to be a great program, the likes of which they have been the last several years, you have to kind of dominate in that area. And because then that means that your branding is strong and guys who are in the state of Oregon want to come to your school or you can pull guys away from Washington and stop them from going up to the Huskies and such. Arizona is a recruiting state. It's not exactly a, a California, a Texas or a Florida or, you know, I think it's kind of comparable to Utah though Utah has been sending out a lot of good players in the last several years they've got a strong football culture so it's not one of those elite recruiting states Arizona but there have been a number of good players to come out of that state for the Ducks in really the last decade or so and there have been a lot because Arizona is not a hugely populous state that's why I was mentioning the other ones in that same group but there have been some good players to come out of the state of Oregon for for the Ducks you know Dion Jordan was from there Andre Ureta Goyena, I think I got that right. He was an offensive lineman on, I believe, that national championship team in the year afterwards with Vernon Adams. He was a really, really solid offensive lineman. I don't know how many of you remember him, but he was quite good. Devin Allen was from Arizona. Tyler Johnstone, another good offensive lineman. Will Tukuafu, Jalen Jelks, Johnny Johnson III. So there have been a pretty solid stream of players coming from the Grand Canyon State up to Oregon. And so it's good to see this staff 
continuing that because you want to have as big a geographical reach as you can on the recruiting trail because this is a big country. There are a lot of great players, and there are a lot of states that have a very strong football culture and produce some really big, strong, talented athletes. But you don't want to be you know, sort of pigeonholed into just going to California, even though there's a bunch of guys there. You don't want to just be going out to Texas or the last staff was able to, you know, get some guys down from the Florida area. So I, I think that when you look at the state of Arizona, it's one Oregon. I'm not going to say needs to have. Right. I mean, they they want to have it. it it's one that they there's a pool of players there that you want to have on your roster pretty consistently it's not an elite state in that sense but there's plenty of really good players there it's definitely above i'd say you know in oregon or some of the smaller midwest states or i think it's kind of comparable to washington arizona maybe a slight edge there but i think it's good to see the staff recruiting in the state of arizona there's another good reason that kyler casper is a nice addition for the staff and i'll tell you right after this Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, that was just for uh, that was just for the podcast people. And I appreciate you wherever you're listening to and or watching the show right now. If you ever want a question answered here on the show on the show by yours truly for all the world to hear, tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can DM me at Smalls underscore fifty five is the handle or at Locked On Ducks, which you should be following anyway to stay up with the show and all the latest breaking news with our mighty Oregon Ducks. So last thing here on Kyler Casper. It's a good sign that this staff with a defensive head coach is able to recruit a high-level offensive player. And I expect in the coming years Dan Lanning to bring in high-level defensive players, right? That's why he's going after guys like Jaden Wayne, five-star defensive end the class of 2023, or Elijah Rushing, same position, same caliber in the class of 2024, or you got Jaleel Florence, or you know Cole Martin, who's defensive back coach Demetrius, Demetrius Martin's son, pretty highly rated four-star corner in the class of 2023. I expect that sort of stuff to happen, but I was mentioning Junior Adams earlier. When you think about having a defensive head coach and what that means for recruiting, Offensive skill position coaches become that much more important on the recruiting trail. I think that, you know, guys like Junior Adams and Adrian Clem and, and Kenny Dillingham have to be able to, to go out and get these sorts of guys. It's not that Lanning can't recruit an offensive player or that he, you know, never will be involved with, with these sorts of guys, you know, particularly with quarterbacks. He'll be heavily involved. I'm not saying that, but on a broad scale, the position coaches are going to do a lot of this stuff because Lanning is going to be able to bring in big time players much easier on the defensive side of the ball because that's sort of guy he is that sort of vision that he can sell to them. And it's not that he's completely disconnected from the offense like Chip Kelly was with the defense back in the day where he would go entire weeks and not even meet with Nick Aliotti. That's a rumor that I have heard. Um, and I frankly believe it because Chip all about the offense, <laughs> as we all know, but the fact that, that Oregon was able to get Kyler Casper, I think, is a really good sign. And by the way, without a quarterback in the class of 2023, now Casper is reclassifying to 2022, but Oregon doesn't have a lead quarterback recruit in that class either, unless you count Bo Nix. So what this is telling me is that this staff continues to have a clearly defined vision of how they want to recruit guys, how they're pitching players, how they want to bring them into the program, and the roles that, that they envision. So that's a really good sign because typically, you know, a quarterback will come first and then other skill position guys will follow because they'll go, oh, 
you know, I, I want to go play with him or I want to catch passes from him. Much like I was talking about on the recruiting trail a couple weeks ago for Oregon basketball, right? You get Mookie Cook and suddenly Kwame Evans Jr. is looking around going, mm, maybe I want to go play with him. And Mookie Cook is openly recruiting Kwame Evans Jr. He gave a quote to ESPN saying, yeah, I would love for him to come to the University of Oregon. That's how this sort of stuff often works. And so I think all of that is a really good indicator for, for this staff to not just you know get a high-caliber player at this point in the recruiting cycle, again, after Josh Connerly last week, but to get him on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's a good sign for how the how the recruiting is going outside of Dan Lanning, right? You think of the head coach first, but those position coaches, when you have a, a head coach who comes from the defensive side of the ball, they become very, very important on that offensive staff. Wrap up today with a little bit of basketball. Also, as I'm recording this, uh, tomorrow, Oregon baseball has a game that if they win, they'll be in first place in the Pac-12 against the Beefs. Swept Washington last week. That's really good stuff. But on the basketball front, there's a couple of guards in the portal that I just want you to, to keep your eye on, be aware of, and know that their names might pop up again later here on the pod. So Keyshawn Bartholomew is one of them. He played for Colorado this past year. He's played two years of college basketball. He'd have three remaining. He's visiting Oregon and Ohio State or has visited Oregon and Ohio State. I don't know the dates uh, of those visits specifically, but he was a minor contributor as a freshman and then took a big leap this year as a sophomore. I don't know why he's leaving Tad Boyle in Colorado, Tad Boyle, something like that. Um, Colorado's basketball coach. I apologize if I'm butchering that name, but he averaged 11 points a game this year while shooting 42% from the floor and 35% from beyond the arc. If Will Richardson doesn't come back to the Ducks, we still don't know. We still do not know if Will Richardson's coming back. The decision has not been announced. Of course, we'll be following that here on the pod, which is why you should like and subscribe if you have not already. But a guy with two years of college basketball under his belt who has had success in the Pac-12, who was productive this past year and took a big leap. Who wouldn't want that guy, right? And I'm not surprised that he's got some big-name schools, Oregon and Ohio State among them, interested in him. So Keyshawn Bartholomew is the first name. The second one is Jared Lucas. Now, I haven't seen anything to indicate Oregon's going after the former Oregon State Beaver, maybe. It just feels a little bit iffy, though Washington just got a guy who played for Washington State. So at the end of the day, business is business, right? And guys are going to go where they think they have the best chance to succeed. I I like Lucas a lot. He's very streaky, but when he's on, he's dominating a game at an offensive end. He can really, really shoot. And I haven't seen anything to indicate that Oregon's in the running, but I would love for them to be at least because if Will Richardson doesn't come back, you leave a little bit of a void. And I like Davion Harmon. I'm glad he's returning to the team. As I mentioned earlier on the pod, I don't know if he's a number one point guard sort of guy. I think he's more of, you know, an off ball too. He's a capable facilitator. Maybe he just needs to step into a point guard role or, you know, be given that sort of opportunity to prove that he can do it. But I, I would be looking at these guys if I'm Dana Altman. Keyshawn Bartholomew from Colorado, Jared Lucas from Oregon State, who was looking at Washington State and a couple Mountain West schools as well, San Diego State and, and Nevada. So we'll keep our eyes on them. We always do. I'll keep you updated right here on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the show. Five-star reviews, comments. We like all of that sort of stuff. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Go Ducks.